Yeah. Well, hey, welcome to New Life at all of our campuses. We love moms here, and we are so thankful for everything that you do for us, that you've done in our hearts, and the fact that you continue to lead us in so many different ways. You know, at, uh, at New Life, we uh, this past week put out a social media post, and we asked for some of you to you know, give us some feedback. Like, what are some of your thoughts? How, what are your, some of your things that you would say about your mom? How do you love her? What are the things that she's done in your life? And Kelvin said this, I love my mom-in-law. All right, that's a miracle by itself, All right? I love my mom-in-law. She's a, she's a godly woman, right? I know that she prays for me every day. She always puts family first, and her cakes are delicious. I agree. I've had those cakes. Uh, Tiffany said this, that she's a great listener. Aren't moms great listeners, by the way? It's awesome. Alyssa said that I love that my mom shows us so much love uh, every single day and is always there for my kids and I. She's taught me um, to always trust in God and that faith comes first always. Moms at New Life, we love you. We're thankful for you, your spiritual leadership in our lives. Can we just, just at one moment at all campuses, can we just applaud and give honor to our moms right now? Come on. I love it. I love it. So thanks for being here today. We are in a current teaching series entitled Win the Day. Okay, Win the Day. It's based basically off this concept that there's seven daily habits that if you can figure out these habits and apply them just a little bit every single day, that spiritually you start winning the battle. So you can win spiritually every day by just applying these seven habits. And last week, Pastor Tyler, he got up and rocked it. I don't know if you guys were here last week or not, but last week he, he just did a great job. I loved it. I loved it. And he taught us about how to eat the frog. I mean, come on. Come on. I was preaching down in El Salvador, and uh, I, told, I told some people that, you know, Pastor Tyler was going to be speaking on eating the frog, and I got really weird looks. Because I think interpreting that, you know, into another language just didn't work quite well. So I don't know how that went down. But they listened to the message anyways. Today, I want to talk about the next habit, and it's just entitled this, Fly the Kite. Fly the kite. We just turn to the person next to you and say, fly the kite. <clears throat> All right. Well, hey, to get started, I want to tell you about a not-so-famous but famous Nebraskan. Famous Nebraskan. Uh, Holman Walsh. Holman, the reason why you probably have never heard of him, although you can find out about him at history.nebraska.gov, um, is that he died on March 8th at, on 1899. He lived his last 33 years, though, in Lincoln, Nebraska, where he was a real estate businessman. Uh, he was an officer of the Lincoln Gas Company, and he also had served for a period of time as a city council member. So, but those are not the things that he's famous for. What he's famous for was when he was a child growing up in New York, New York, uh, the state of New York. He's famous for something that he did when he was 15 years old, when he contributed to building the very first suspension bridge over Niagara Falls. See, it was in, it was in 1847 that Char Charles Ellett Jr. was commissioned to build this railway suspension bridge that would connect the United States and, Can and, and Canada together. Uh, but the first obstacle was that he had to figure out how to get a very large cable to span the distance over the river, and it was 800 feet. That's not the problem. The problem really was that there were these 225-foot tall cliffs on both sides of the river, and the river was running 
you know, with a ferocious amount of energy below it over the world, the whirlpool falls. So he had to figure out, how am I going to get this cable across there? That was his dilemma. An iron worker came to him. He said, well, look, I got an idea. Like if, if we could fly a kite across and get a kite string across, then we could, could, could attach maybe a thicker rope and we could pull that across and then a thicker rope beyond that and then maybe a steel leader beyond that and eventually we'll get up to the large steel cable that we need to pull across. So in January of 1848, they had a kite flying contest. Come on, right? And the winner is going to get 10 bucks. The first person that could fly a kite over the Niagara Falls and uh, keep the line attached between both the United States and Canada was going to win 10 whopping dollars. Come on, somebody, right? Now, that, that was probably, that's probably a lot of money back then, right? So here's Holman. He's 15 years old. He decides the winds are blowing more favorably from Canada to, to the United States, so he gets on a ferry. He crosses over. He hikes two miles up to where the bridge is going to be built, and he starts flying this kite. And eventually, he wins the contest, and he flies the kite from Canada into the United States. The very next day, they attach a rope to that, and they start pulling it across. And they keep making it thicker and thicker until eventually, the large, the large cable, the uh, 20, it was like, let's say it was 36 strands of 10-gauge wire, all wrapped up together, was eventually pulled across, and it would become the world's first suspension bridge, strong enough to support a 170-ton locomotive. And it all started with one kite string. One simple little kite string got us all the way to the spot where the world's first suspension bridge that held 170 tons. The same principle, though, is true in your lives. Because it's really about the little things. It's about the little wins that we accomplish every single day that eventually lead to the big wins. But it's vitally important for us to keep in mind that we have to be faithful to do the little things as if they're big things. Many times we despise the little things. Many times we just kind of give the little things a little effort. But what God's looking for in your life and in my life is, look, if God gives you a task to do, even if it feels like a small task to you, that we would do it as if it were a big thing. And when we are faithful to the Lord in that way, then it allows God to do this, then God can do a big thing as if it were a little thing. And a lot of us, we need God to do big things in our lives. But what God's waiting for is, will you treat the small things as if they're big? Will you treat righteousness as if it's big? Will you treat saying no to sin as if it's big? Will you, will you say yes to serving at the front door of New Life Church, no matter what the campus is? Even though it seems like it's a small thing, when you treat it like it's the biggest thing, the biggest responsibility you have, because when we do that, we position ourselves for God to do a big thing in our lives. But the problem is that we undervalue the little things and we overvalue doing the big things. We like to get the glory for the big things, so we undervalue the small things. Let me give you the example in maybe three different contexts, giving, serving, and leading. I've heard a lot of people say this kind of a statement to me and to other spiritual leaders. I'll give more when I make more. Or I'll serve more when I have more time. Or I'll lead more when a big opportunity is, presents itself to me. And I just want you to know, as your pastor, if you've thought those things, or you're thinking them right now, I love you, I really do, but I'm not buying what you're selling. Right? Because I just don't believe that that's true. 
Right? If you aren't generous with a little, with a little bit that you have, you won't be generous with a lot. Why? Because generosity starts with what you have. And when it comes to serving, by the way, you, you don't find time, you make time. Like if you feel like it's something God's called you to, I don't care who you are, you don't have a magic wand. Pastor Tyler told us last week there's only so many seconds in every day. You only get so many opportunities to win the day. You don't have a magic wand that gets to add more minutes to the day, although some of us wish we could do that. right? You make the time to do that. And as for leading, look, if you want to be a leader, then start leading something small now. Because if you can't lead something small, you'll never lead something big. See, because this is really the problem. We like doing big things. Here's the reason why. Because it gets the big applause from people. That's why we like it. It makes us feel good about us. We don't like doing the little things because they go unnoticed by people. But here's the truth. They get the applause of God, though. So really, like, who are you flying the kite for? Right, who are you doing it for? What, what, what is the audience that you're performing for? Is it the audience of your peers, the audience of a congregation, the audience of your pastor, or is it the audience of one, Christ? Because Colossians 3.23 tells us that we are to work willingly at whatever you do, as though you were working for the Lord, rather than for who? People. I just want you to notice in the scripture, it says work willingly. Other translations might say this, work wholeheartedly. And in that context, it's referring to not just the physical work that you do, but also the way you approach that work, your mentality towards it, your motive towards it mentally and emotionally. Because look, I've, I've had this happen in my life, unfortunately, and I know many of you uh, are caught in this scenario where we're doing something and we're saying we're doing it for the Lord. But in the back of our minds, we're frustrated because no one's thanking us for what we're doing. So you're doing it, but your mental motive is something completely different. You're trying to get the applause of people. We get caught in this trap all the time. If you're caught in that trap, just keep yourself reminded that the scripture said, whatever you do, you're to do it unto the Lord. Guess what? That includes the small things. It includes the large things. But I need to make sure you understand it includes flying the kite. Because the truth today is really this, that if, if you're faithful with the small things, one day, one day you'll be faithful with the large things. And this is why God says to us, um, he says it to us, but he said it originally through a prophet, Zechariah, to a governor who is back in Jerusalem, Zerubbabel. He said to him, hey, look, don't despise the days of small beginnings. I want to help you understand how to fly the kite. I want, to, I want you to see the, the heart that God has towards being faithful with the small things. And to do that, I'm going to take you to a book in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 4. So look, if you don't know where it is and you've got you know, your, your Bible, your, your, your analog Bible with you, um, paper version, then you're going to go to the first chapter of the New Testament, Matthew chapter 1, and then go backwards, past the, past the last book of the Old Testament, bam, Second to the last book of the Old Testament is Zechariah. That's the easiest way to find it. If you've got your smartphone device, scan through all the books of the Bible and click on Zechariah. <laughs> then go to chapter 4. <laughs> While you're finding that, let me give you the background. Here's the background. The, the Babylonians, in the year of 587 B.C., 
they have now attacked, okay? And they have conquered Israel. They've conquered Jerusalem. They have dismantled the city. They have destroyed the temple. They have taken all the riches and the Jewish people into exile into Babylon. And the, the, the Israelites were there for about 50 years. And the Babylonians were the world's superpower of the time. No one, no one thought ever that the Babylonians would ever be defeated. But about 49 years into the captivity, this Persian army rose up and was so powerful that they conquered and attacked the Babylonians and conquered them and took them out. And then the Persians became now the world's known superpower. And the Persian king, his name was Cyrus II, he appointed Zerubbabel when he found out that these, these Jewish exile, these people were in exile here in Babylon, he, he appointed Zerubbabel to be the governor over Judah and sent him and a number of the exiled uh, Jewish people back to Jerusalem to lead and to rule and to reestablish right, their, their land and reestablish their culture back in Jerusalem. And so that's where we find ourselves. Upon returning back to Jerusalem, Zerubbabel found the city in disarray. Right? He found the walls in disarray, the gates in disarray, but what he really was disturbed by was the temple. The temple itself was knocked down. Like There wasn't really even a good foundation left anymore. They had been so ransacked and destroyed. So in Zerubbabel's heart, as a good Jewish leader, he wants to rebuild the temple to give his people identity that we worship the King of Kings, the Lord of your Lords, Yahweh. We worship him, and so he's going to rebuild the temple. That's what's in his heart. He gets started on it, and all the foreigners that were right around him started kind of giving him a real hard time against his work. And we know this because the book of Ezra speaks to it in chapter 4, verse 4. It'll be on your screens, so keep your finger, keep hold on there in Zechariah. It says that the, the local residents, they tried to discourage and frighten the people of Judah to keep them from their work building the temple. They bribed agents to work against them and to frustrate their plans. It's amazing to me that how often that God calls us to do something. He gives us the freedom to go do it. I mean, how cool was it that Zerubbabel found freedom out of Babylon to go back to his home city Right now, as a young boy, he, he, was, he, he never even remembered the city. And now as a, as a leader, as a man, you know, he's going back to this place that his grandfather was the king of. And so he's just like, this is fantastic. And he gets there only to find frustration. I'm just going to tell you, anytime you're trying to do anything great for God, you're going to come up against incredible obstacles. These obstacles that were coming against Zerubbabel, these people that were causing this disarray and this frustration, brought the rebuilding of the temple to a fast stop. And there, the foundation sat untouched and dormant for 15 years. Fast forward to 520 BC, and the prophet Zechariah, who we're getting ready to read in a moment, gets a word from God for Zerubbabel. And he goes and he finds this governor, and he gives him this word, and he says to him, this is what God has spoken to you. This, take a look at it, Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6. This is what the Lord says to Zerubbabel. It is not by force, not by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. And when Zerubbabel sets the final stone of the temple in place, the people will shout, may God bless it, may God bless it. Then another message came to me from the Lord. Zerubbabel is the one who laid the foundation of this temple and he will complete it. This will, 
Then you will know that the Lord of heaven's armies has sent me. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. That encouraging word from the Lord got Zerubbabel to finish that temple in four years. And in 516, the temple was, was dedicated to the Lord. I want you to see out of here what God's word is saying to those who are willing to do the small things, though. I want you to notice that it says that right at the very beginning, it is not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord of heaven's armies. You and me need to know that there's nothing that we can do outside of God's spirit, that God's spirit is the factor that changes everything. It's like the X factor. It's the difference between the best that you can do and the best that God can do. That's what the Holy Spirit's role is. God's not interested in what you think is big. God, look at my education. Look at my experience. Look at my resume. Look at how strong I am mentally, physically, emotionally, educationally, or whatever it is. Like God's not interested in those things. You are. You think those are the big things. God says, no, that's not it. The big thing is my spirit. Your strength your fortitude, that's the little stuff. The big thing is my spirit. That's the difference between the best you can do and the best God can do. Which, by the way, those two things are not even on the same scale. They don't even show up on the same graph. Like the best you can do and the best God can do, well, there's no comparison between those things. So God gave us the Holy Spirit so that we could excel in the small things that lead to the big things. But I love in this passage the faithfulness of God. Listen to it. He says this, Nothing, not even a mighty mountain will stand in Zerubbabel's way. It will become a level plain before him. No matter what you're attempting to do, no matter what kite you're attempting to fly, no matter what small thing you're trying to do for the Lord, you're always going to face opposition to mountains just like Zerubbabel did. You, you might be facing a mountain of depression or anxiety or fear or anger, or injustice, or maybe even, you know, forgiveness. Something you got to walk through. And I just want you to notice, this scripture does not promise that God will miraculously move every obstacle and mountain out of your way. But what this scripture does tell us is that God will be faithful to get you through, or up and over, whatever mountain's standing in your way. Because that's the God we serve. I want you to remember this. Like, we serve the God who made a dry path through the Red Sea for Moses. That's the God we serve. So no matter what you're facing, as you're trying to fly the kite, just be faithful with the little things. I'm telling you what, you got a God who can help you succeed. He's the same God who caused the sun to stand still for Joshua to win the battle. He's the same God who turned water into wine. We serve a God who knows how to move the mountains. And many times he makes the mountain move by you moving over it. Because you do know how you climb up and over a mountain, right? No, it's not by hiring Sherpas. It's not by having the right gear. You climb up and over a mountain one step at a time. That's how you do it. And maybe a little oxygen <laughs> for high altitudes. That's how you do it. It's one step at a time. And Zerubbabel had to do the very same thing. I mean, I want to take you back to verse 9. It says that Zerubbabel is one who laid the foundation of the temple, God says to him. And by the way, he will complete it. You know how he's going to complete that temple? The same way he started the foundation. One block at a time. He stacks one block on top of another block on top of another block. One stone on top of another stone. And eventually the temple is built. 
And for you and me, it's one day at a time. It's winning the day. It's flying the kite. It's doing the one small thing. It might take longer than you think. It might be harder than you think. But God's faithfulness will see you through it. He just wants us to take one step at a time. And it really doesn't matter, like, what the mountain is. I get it. Like, some of the mountains that some of you are facing, they seem daunting. They seem, they seem so big. Like, how are they ever going to be dealt with? They seem like they've been there forever. For some of you, you feel like maybe you're facing a mountain range. I just want to tell you today, it's time to stop talking to God about your mountains, and it's time to start talking to your mountains about how powerful your God is. That's what we need to start doing. It's time to start looking at whatever it is you're facing Whatever opposition is coming against you, and start reminding it that my God is greater. My God made the dry path through the Red Sea. My God is the one who caused Zerubbabel to finish the temple. My God is the one who turned water into wine, right? My God is the one who died on the cross. My God is the one who was raised again from the dead. My God knows how to move mountains. It's time to start doing that. Like, just fly the kite. Make the one more prayer. Be faithful one more day, and eventually, guess what happens? The mountain and the mountain ranges disappear one step one day at a time lastly though in verse 10 god says this to him do not despise these small beginnings for the lord rejoices to see the work begin listen to that you know what that means that god rejoices at the small things before they become big things what do we do we rejoice at the big things god starts rejoicing at the small things That means this, that God starts rejoicing when you're in like blueprint mode. When you're just in the blueprint mode and few people can ever even look at a blueprint and really see what the project is going to be like. That's a real gift. God's going, look, when you're in blueprint phase of your journey or your dream or whatever it is you're chasing after and you're just flying the kite, right? And no one, no one gives any glory to the person who flew the kite. Like Holman didn't ever end up. He's a, he's a Nebraskan man. Come on right? He didn't even end up on the bridge, the history-making bridge. No one even knows about him. All they know about is the guy who built the bridge. But if it wasn't for the little kid who flew the kite, nobody builds the bridge. Nobody does. But I'm telling you, God rejoices when you fly the kite. God rejoices when you're in the blueprint phase, even though no one knows what's going on. God rejoices when you're just serving and you're using your leadership skills, even when they're kind of like not being maximized and they're just at their infancy, God's still rejoicing. When you're working on your talent that's still underground, God's rejoicing. When you're down in the basement and you're trying to get that vocal and you're trying to work on that guitar or you're trying to beat those drums and everybody upstairs has got earplugs in, God's rejoicing. Because you're working on the talent. You're starting. You're at the very beginning. That's who our God is. That's not who we are. We want to do the amazing things for God. We even want to be known for doing the amazing things for God. But that's not our job. God's the one who does amazing things in us and for us. Our job is to surrender ourselves to God. One day at a time. And if we do our job, God does his job. If we fly the kite, God builds the bridge. Yeah, that's the journey of the believer. We fly the kite, he builds the bridge. So let me, let me just wrap this up with a couple of real practical thoughts for you that you can go apply right now to what it looks like to spiritually fly the kite. Two things. Give yourself, give yourself a start date and then dream big but start small. Give yourself a start date. I know when I wanted to 
would get my pilot's license. Man, I wanted to do that since I was a kid. My grandfather had his, and he had airplanes, and my father had his, and he flew. And I, I just wanted, I wanted to do the same thing. I wanted, I wanted to fly. And I wanted to do it for a long time. But you know what I realized is that when, it, when you look at it, the AOPA, the you know, Association of Pilots, says that 80% of people that start working on their pilot's license never finish it. So guess what I had to do? I had to set a date. I had to pick a date. I had to sign up for, for the professional training, and I had to put a deposit down. And then once I did that, ask my wife what happened next. I started working on ground school. Every free minute I had when I got home in the evening, I started working on the ground school. And thank the Lord it's online, right? And with a lot of videos. <laughs> All right. So you're working on this stuff, man, and you're working on it day after day. You just had to win every single moment. Every minute you had, you had to win that minute because you had a date that was set and you had to get this done before you got there. And I worked for weeks and then it turned into a couple of months. I bought the airline ticket. I moved to Seattle and I started the training. And I'm going to tell you, the big dream came alive. Why? Because I just started winning every single day. And if you're going to accomplish your dream that God's put in your heart, you're going to have to set a date. You're going to have to commit to it. You can't finish what you don't start, by the way. You'll never finish it. And listen to this. If God put the dream in your heart, then you know what worship is? Setting a start date. Worship isn't just what you're going to sing today. Worship to the Lord is setting the start date, being faithful to him. So church, dream big. I know I do. I want you to dream big. I want you to have big dreams, but you got to start small. you got to follow God's pattern. Consider God's scale of greatness, creation. Now, think about creation. Like, could God create everything in one day? The answer to that would be yes, by the way. Could God do it all in one day? He could have done it all in one day, but he didn't. And I think there's an example here for you and me. One day, God did something small in a God-sized way. He created light and dark. Then the next day, in a God-sized way, he created plants, trees, flowers. In a God-sized way, the next day, he created animals, and so on and so forth. God broke it down. He just won every single day. He flew the kite in a God-sized way. It's a big kite, by the way, but he flew it, right? And every day, there was a victory. Every one of those small victories ended up becoming creation that you and me get to experience today. I think that's awesome. I think that that's saying to you and me, every single day of your life matters to the Lord. Fly the kite, right? Do the little thing. Do the small task because what it's going to do, it's going to lead to the God-sized dream. We've got to do the little things. God builds the bridge. So don't don't despise the small beginnings. Because the Lord doesn't. He's actually rejoicing right now over you starting the work. Over you doing the little things. God's rejoicing. So the two questions I really want you to answer today is this. What kite do you need to fly? And when are you going to start? What's the small thing that God's asking you to do? And what's the start date? See, if you can answer those two questions on this one habit, you'll start winning the day. What kite do I need to fly? And what's my start date? You get those two things, you start winning the day. And it starts bringing glory and honor to the Lord. That's all God's asking for. Go fly the kite. Why don't you stand with me? Let's pray. Lord, thank you with this example of your faithfulness 
to and through Zerubbabel, facing a daunting task, feeling defeated. It's been sitting there for 15 years. For some of us, we have dreams that we started, but they've been sitting dormant. They've been sitting dormant for months, years, decades. And we just thought maybe they were past. But Lord, maybe today you're speaking life back into the hearts of people. And you're going, no, just start doing the little things. Just start taking one step at a time. And if we do that, God, you'll end up doing the big thing. We do the small thing, Lord, you build the dream. We do the small thing, you build the bridge. We do the small thing, you heal the marriage. You, we do the small thing, God, you, you, you heal the finances. You do, we do the small thing, God, you become victorious. And today, Lord, we believe that you are faithful. We believe that you are good. We believe that you never fail us. And that what we, what we start in your name, that, Lord, you help us to finish. And so today, would you just bring us back to the kite that needs to be flown, the small thing that needs to be done, and would you put in our hearts this desire to set a date and commit ourselves to you and start chasing after your dream one small act of obedience at a time. In Jesus' name, amen.